Is that camera on? Three, two, one, and action. I'm not an impressive man. Most people say that although my letters are strong and weighty, I'm not that pleasant to look at. And my speech is of no account, they say. I guess I've got a face that was made for writing letters. I can do teaching and preaching. It's just that people say I kind of get off track. And I, I'm a little long-winded in the end. Like one time I was in Troas and I was teaching and I needed to leave soon, but there was just so much to say, so much that they needed to hear and learn. And so I just kept talking all the way to midnight. And there was this guy, this young man named Eutychus who fell asleep while I was teaching. Can you believe that? To fall asleep while someone is teaching the way and word of Jesus Christ our Lord? It was midnight. He fell asleep next to a window, which is not the greatest place to fall asleep. Because he fell out of that window, the third story window, and he died. I told you I'm not an impressive man. I've literally bored people to death before. <laughs> but he wasn't dead long. I went down and I took him in my arms and he was brought back to life. And I just went right back into the house, walked upstairs and kept teaching for another few hours. <laughs> People say that sometimes I get carried away. I'm a little long-winded. I get distracted here and there. I'm much better at writing letters. Writing, writing keeps me focused. Have you read my letters? I wrote you a bunch of letters. I tried to explain things. I tried to make the way and word of our Lord Jesus Christ clear to you. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation. I hope that when you read my letters, you would perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men of other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This is the mystery, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. It was of this gospel that I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power to, to me. Though I'm the very least of all the saints, there are many more qualified men than I to do this. Peter, James, John, any of the 11 that were with Jesus could have done a better job than me, would have been a better choice. But to me, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everybody the plan of the mystery hidden in ages in God who created all things. So that the, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This whole thing is about 
the manifold, big, all-encompassing mission and wisdom of God being made known to the universe. Have you read my letters? I wrote you a bunch of letters. They weren't just for the Galatians, the Ephesians, the Philippians, the Colossians, the, the people who received them first. They were for everybody who God has given the gift of his son. Because it's not just one group anymore. It's not just one nation like we thought. The, the grace of God, the presence of God, the hope of the promise of God, it's, it's available to you too. Gentiles, non-Jewish people, as well as Jews. I, I haven't always thought that way. That was a hard truth for me to come to, to accept. My mind had to be renewed and changed. I had to leave the old me behind and become something new to accept this truth because I, I was a Pharisee. I mean, Matthew was a tax collector, and we can all agree that's bad, Right? But I, I was a Pharisee. If you've read the gospel accounts of Matthew and Mark and, and Luke and John, have you read those? If you haven't read them, you really should. They, they tell the, the story of Jesus from beginning to end. Luke actually wrote a second edition to his gospel it tells what happened after Jesus ascended into heaven. People call it the Acts of the Apostles. I'm in it. But really, it should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what Luke was writing about. All that the Holy Spirit did through the church after Jesus ascended into heaven. But if you've read even one of the four gospel accounts, you know that Pharisees are not pictured in the greatest of light, are they? Jesus called them a brood of vipers, blind guides, fools, hypocrites, whitewashed tombs, snakes. And they were. We, we were. I was, a, I was a Pharisee. My name was Saul back then. You see, I was, I was born to Jewish parents in Tarsus, which makes me both a Jew and a Roman citizen. When I was a kid, I, I was brought up learning how to make tents. I was a tent maker. That skill has really helped me as I've gone place to place, spreading the gospel and writing my letters because I'm not too much of a financial burden on any of the believers that I visit. But as I grew older, I, I studied under Gamaliel and I became a Pharisee because I was smart and because I had this zeal for the law of the Lord. I believed that the only way we could please God was to follow the law without fail. I loved the law. I wanted the law. I believed in the law. I was a, I was a Pharisee. And so... I lived my life thinking that the law was all that could please God. And I tried everything I could to enforce the law, punish people who broke the law. I, 
I believed in the law. And the law wasn't just the, the, those found in the Torah, the first five books of the year Old Testament. But we had other laws that we defended, 611 of them in all, that kept us so far from the actual law that we would never get close enough to be in danger of breaking it. I love the law. My mission was to defend the law, enforce the law, punish those who broke it, follow it without fail myself, and teach it to as many Jews as I could possibly teach it to. We were the people of promise, the chosen ones. The Gentiles were forsaken, but not us. We were chosen by God. All we had to do was follow the law. God had given us the law, no one else. We just had to follow it or die trying. And maybe even, maybe even kill trying. You see, the law, it was important enough to me to kill for. And that's why when Jesus' disciples started to grow in number after he died, I, I was happy to persecute them. I thought he was just a rabbi, just a guy. I, I thought I was defending the law of my God. I thought I was on the right side of things. And so when Stephen started to preach and teach and do signs and wonders in the name of Jesus, I, I wanted him killed. I approved of his execution. I wanted him pummeled with stones until the life left his body because he was an enemy of the law and I a defender of it, a Pharisee. After Stephen, I, I made it my mission in life to destroy the church. Anyone who believed in Jesus, I wanted them gone. I thought it was a, a cult, a, some new movement that was enemies of the law. So I wanted it eradicated. So I went from house to house to house, synagogue to synagogue, dragging people who believed in this Jesus to prison. I persecuted them to death. And not only that, I, I went farther than that. I even received from them letters to the brothers. And I, I journeyed to Damascus. I went on the road for my mission. I journeyed to Damascus. And I took the people there also who believed in Jesus. And I took them back in chains. Or I tried to take them back. That was my plan, to take them back in chains to Jerusalem. I wanted every believer in Jesus to die. They were vermin. Pests, lawbreakers, pagans, rebels. I wanted them gone. But that's, that's when things changed for me. On my way to Damascus to find more believers to persecute, Jesus entered into my life and changed it. He who knew me and set me apart before I was born, called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. When I was on my way to Damascus to fulfill my mission as a persecutor of the church and as a Pharisee, 
Christ entered into my life and he gave me a new mission, a different mission. Now, I was just walking to Damascus on the road and, and all of a sudden this bright light shone around me, this blinding light and I couldn't see and I fell to my knees. I was blinded and I, I didn't know what was going on and I heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I was confused. I didn't know what was going on. So I just asked in my confusion, who are you, Lord? And the voice said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And I thought, Jesus? How could Jesus be talking to me? He was dead. There's no way he could be talking to me. I was confused. But I may be unimpressive on the outside, but I've never been called dumb before. I knew immediately that all that I believed in, all that I had given my life for, this mission I had sold out to was wrong. I mean, my whole foundation was shaken, destroyed, really. Jesus, he told me to go into the city and I would find out what to do next there. And I told you, I'm no dummy. When a bright light blinds me from heaven and I hear a voice out of nowhere tell me what to do, I just do it. And I'm well aware of the irony that I had just been persecuting Jesus' church, defaming, slandering, cursing his name. And now I was doing what he said. But I went into, or I got up to go into the city and I opened my eyes, but I still couldn't see. I was blind. And I started to kind of panic. You would too if you couldn't see. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. Was I going to be blind forever? What, what was this? And the men who were with me started to, started to lead me by the hand into the city. And I, I was thinking, is, if this is really Jesus, what's he going to do to me? I mean, I deserved one thing and one thing only. Death. I mean, why... Why wouldn't Jesus kill me, right? After all that I had done. For three days, I couldn't see. I was blind. Jesus had called us Pharisees blind guides. Now, I was literally blind. We stayed on Straight Street with a guy named Judas. Not the betrayer of the Lord, a different Judas. And on the fourth day, a man named Ananias visited the house. I didn't know him. But he came into the house and he he laid his hands on me and he said, Brother Saul, Jesus, who appeared to you on the way, sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I don't know how else to explain it except for to say that when he said that, when Ananias said that to me, immediately something like like scales fell from my eyes and I could see. And not only physically, but it was like scales fell, fell from my spiritual eyes as well because I didn't wait any longer. I knew I had been wrong. Jesus was the Messiah I had been teaching about waiting for my whole life. All of his disciples, they were right about who Jesus was. And I had a 
lot to learn, but I felt the truth of God begin to seep into my heart and my soul and begin to renew my mind and make me into something totally different than I was before. I felt that happening, even though I didn't have all the answers, all my questions answered, I felt that happening. And so I got baptized right then and there. And I didn't know much. I didn't know what Jesus was going to do with me. I didn't think it would be much. But I was just so overwhelmed by his grace towards me. I had thought that righteous acts, my righteous acts, could please God. I thought that he was pleased with, that he blessed, that he came for, that he rescued people who did the law, who were strong enough to follow the law. But in that moment, I realized that the righteousness of God had been manifested apart from the law. The righteousness of God through Christ Jesus for all those who believe. I realized that there was no difference between me and anybody else. No difference between the Pharisee and the adulterer, the liar, the thief, the sinner, the the tax collector, the, the murderer. I realize there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by grace as a gift so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. I realized that There was no difference between me and anyone else. All of us, you, me, everybody, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, right? But not only that, we fall short of it regularly, consistently, constantly, don't we? I mean, you, you and I, we, we can't fulfill the law. We can't follow the law perfectly, can we? There's no way to do it. You and I were were sinful, broken, unable to reach the heights of heaven. And sinful, broken things can't fix themselves. I don't know what you've been told. I don't know what you've been taught. You might think that with enough effort and good work and hard work, you can fix what's broken on the inside of you but you can't. You should put no confidence in the flesh. Your ability to make yourself right before God, you should put no confidence in that. Believe me, I tried. I was circumcised the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. If anybody would be able to fix themselves for God, it would have been me. But listen, beloved, sinful, broken things cannot fix themselves. You need Jesus. You need outside help. That's the way this works. You need Jesus to come in from the outside and And rescue you from death, hell, and the grave. You need need Jesus. 
Following the law won't be good enough. Doing good works is not going to do it. You might think that you're a good person, but (laughs) compared to what? Compared to who? You're a good person compared to your neighbor, compared to, compared to the murderer, compared to your dad? Those aren't the standards. The standard is Jesus. So are you a good person compared to Jesus? To perfection? That's, that's the debt that you owe because of your sin. And there's not enough good works or money in the world to pay it. What I'm saying is that God did what the law, weakened by the flesh, cannot do. By sending his own son and the likeness of sin and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. God did what you and I cannot do. He sent Jesus to fulfill the law, all of it, to walk perfectly and blamelessly and holy before him, to pay our debt. God sent his son for that. And it wasn't like for flesh, by flesh, like it was temporary or physical, but, but Jesus, he, he did it by his spirit for our spirit. He rescued us, fixed us, not just on the outside, but deep inside of our souls. At the core of who you are, where where the problem is, where the sin is. God did what you and I cannot do by sending his son. But I wrote all of this in the letters I sent you. Have you read my letters? I wrote you a bunch of letters. I tried to explain things. I know sometimes they can be complicated and Sometimes I write the longest run-on sentence in the world. But I, I hope that you'll read them over and over and over until the truth sinks into your heart. Because I just wanted to explain things fully. And I only wrote what the Holy Spirit told me to write. Back on that road to Damascus when Jesus changed my life, I... I didn't know all this. I didn't have all the words for it like I do now. I just knew that I was wrong. And I just confessed my sin and put my faith in Jesus. And and Jesus, he gave me a new mission. My mission in life had been to persecute the church, enforce the law, punish those who broke it. Now he gave me a new mission because as soon as I heard the truth and accepted the truth, I started going to the synagogues in Damascus and proclaiming that truth to my Jewish brothers, the truth that Jesus was the Messiah that they had been waiting for. And I did that for many days. And a lot of people put their faith in Jesus. It was great. But the leaders of the synagogues, they, they had some problems with what I was saying, and they started to talk about killing me. I had been the one who had persecuted the church and had people killed before, and now I was on the receiving end of that. 
The leaders of the church or of the synagogue were, were waiting for me at the, at the city gates, just outside the city gates to kill me. And so some of the people who had given their lives over to Jesus in my ministry, my short ministry there in Damascus, they, they helped me escape the city. They lowered me in a basket out of a hole in the city wall down to the ground. And I, I escaped to Jerusalem. And I, I met the apostles in Jerusalem. They didn't think I was a real disciple, a true follower of Jesus. I don't, I don't blame them after what I had done. But Barnabas, who had seen the change in me, was able to convince them that I was a true follower of Christ, just like them. And I, I ended up in Antioch with Barnabas, proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ to Gentiles. And It just was crazy, all the people, how many people gave their lives over to Christ, put their faith in Christ. I mean, this huge amount. And so the the word of what was happening in Antioch just began to spread like wildfire. And it got all the way back to Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem. And it kind of, speaking of wildfire, kind of sparked a theological debate, this crisis of faith within the Jerusalem church and the leaders there. You see, they weren't sure that Gentiles, non-Jewish people could in fact believe in Jesus. They weren't sure that they could be included in the gospel, in the good news, in the salvation that God had sent through Jesus, the Messiah. I mean, I was sure they could. And Peter, he was sure they could because he had seen the first Gentile give their lives over to Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit, a guy named Cornelius and his whole household. But it was kind of the first crisis of our young faith. I just, I just let them debate in Jerusalem, and I just kept going full speed towards telling everybody I could, Gentile, Jew, didn't matter, telling everybody the good news of Jesus Christ because Jesus had given me a mission, a new mission. I ended up going to 25 different cities across the Roman Empire from one end to the other. I I went to Patmos, I went to Galatia, Philippi, Samaria, I went to Athens. I went to Corinth. I even went to Rome. And in every city I went, I tried to accomplish the mission Christ had given me by planting church after church after church and making disciple after disciple after disciple. And every church I planted and every disciple I made knew that this wasn't the end, that they weren't the end, that we had to keep this going, that my mission was their mission, to make disciples and Jesus was the one who told us to make disciples, right? I mean, he had approved us and entrusted us with the gospel. So we speak not not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. We were entrusted with the gospel, you and me, the church. We were the ones that God gave the gospel to. The gospel isn't something that you... Hold on to for yourself. It's something you give away to others. We're called by this mission. This is the mission that Jesus has given us. 
to carry the gospel. We were entrusted with it. We give it away. We don't hoard it for ourselves. Jesus gave me this mission. Really, he gave it to you too. It was his mission. He said that he came to seek and save the lost. That's it. Just seek and save the lost. It's not about feeling good about yourself or comfortable in your own salvation. Like, as long as I'm covered and my family's covered, I'm good. Or it's not about thinking you're chosen and somehow everyone else isn't. That's what, that's what I used to think as a Pharisee. No. I used to think that I was special and God loved me more than the people who weren't as special as me. No. Seek and save the lost. It's not just for one person. It's for all people, right? That means we, we, don't, only, we don't just wait for the lost to come into our lives and then kind of deal with them, but that we seek them out. We go to them and we tell them the good news of Jesus. That he's the Messiah, the Savior of the world. That he can transform them. That he loves them. That he's already forgiven them. That he came for them to do what the law and the good works and all that they put their hope in cannot do. To see one by one the, the mission of Satan, the mission of death, the mission of sin. That was planted in the hearts of every human being since the fall. Exchanged for the mission of Christ. God's mission. My mission. And I'm hoping your mission too. I gave my life for this mission. It wasn't always easy. I went from city to city to city for this mission. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. In frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers. Danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. In toil and in hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and in thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, all for the mission of Jesus Christ to take the gospel to everybody. And to reproduce his church like he wants us to. To see his mission exchanged in the hearts of men and women. That's why I did this. That's why you should do it. I'm, I'm Paul. I once was Saul. My take on Jesus? It's that Jesus changes the trajectory of your life when you give it to him. He gives you a new mission. That's what happened to me. I used to be the persecutor of Christ followers. Now I am a Christ follower. And in some kind of holy humor, 
God made me, of all people, the apostle to the Gentiles, all the Jewish, non-Jewish people of the world. People I used to look down on and hate, I now love and would give my life for them. I'm consumed with the eternal destiny of their souls. I pray for them, plead with them, weep over them. Gentiles are some of my best friends, my co-laborers in Christ. Ah, there's just so much to tell you. So much that you still need to hear, you still need to learn. But I don't want you to fall asleep like Eutychus did. At least there are no windows in here, right? And since I did write all of this and more in my letters, have you read my letters? I wrote you a bunch of letters. I hope you'll read them. I only wrote what the Holy Spirit told me to write. But since I wrote so much more in my letters, I'll just leave you with this one last thing, the main thing. Remember this. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom? I'm the worst. If that's your story, then Jesus has given you a mission. And I, I don't know what you can afford to do for the mission you've been given. But I know what you can't afford to do. What the world can't afford for you to do. Nothing. Don't do nothing. If you will, let's go and stand up together. Before we sing this last song, I just want to remind each of us that once Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, his life was 100% on mission to seek and save the lost. He never quit, no matter what he faced, he never stopped. He lived his life on mission for Jesus. And I want to remind each of us that it's our jobs who said yes to Jesus to be on mission for him, no matter where we're at, our workplaces, our families, our neighborhoods, our schools, everywhere we go to be thinking about how we can impact others for Jesus, to let them know about his love and his goodness and his grace. And if you don't know Jesus yet, maybe you haven't said yes to him, there's going to be prayer workers on the sides here. And it's just a little simple prayer we walk you through. Say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to make you a part of my life. And I want to be on mission for you. So as we sing this next song, talking about the church and the church being alive, let's leave this place today knowing that our mission is to tell the world about Jesus and what he's done for us.
to point people to him. Because I know I can't save them. But I know God can. No matter where they're at, no matter what they're going through, no matter what they've done, he's ready with open arms to meet them right where they're at. So let's be the bearers of good news that Jesus died for them. Amen? Amen. Let's sing this out. If you need prayer, you can head to the corners. They'll be there to pray with you. Feel free to put those hands together. Let's let this song be an anthem that we sing out, that we are going to show the world that we're alive because Jesus is alive in us. Darkness shaking, faith is arising. We know, we know, we know. Heart be racing, living in your freedom. Joy overflowing. We know, we know, we know. Yes, we know.
to our workplaces, 